This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist, Right 2, for September 24th, 2023.
Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Is this thing on? Good morning. We're so glad that you're here today. If you're visiting us for the first time or you're here for the first time in a long time, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. I see a couple of uh, longtime parishioners who are back this morning. That's exciting. We're glad to have you here. Um, right after worship, we will have coffee hour in the Great Hall, so you can make your way there. There are lots of snacks and treats and coffee and lemonade if you are not of the caffeine, per caffeine persuasion. Um, we do have education hour. Now that the program year has started back up at 10 a.m. every Sunday, uh, there's an education hour, and that goes all the way from toddlers all the way to those of you in your 90s. So if, if you are here at Church of the Redeemer at 10 o'clock, there is an educational opportunity for you at 10 a.m. If you're not sure where to go, let me know, and I can point you in the right direction. Adults, you are in the parlor for the Episcopal Mind. Uh, it's a class for the curious. So I hope that you are and that you'll join us there at 10. Today, also from 10 to 1, is our vaccine clinic. It's out in the back parking lot under the porticos there. If you have already signed up for a slot, uh, we are asking that you arrive 10 to 15 minutes early so that you can finish up your paperwork and make sure you're ready to go for your vaccines. Um, if you need a slot, you can see Becca. I don't know that there are any left, but we could have had some cancellations uh, this morning. So find Becca Morehouse and she will let you know. And I think our last announcement is if you need help with your Church of the Redeemer app, you can let me know. I'm a millennial. I will help you navigate that. Um, I'm not afraid to click on all the buttons. So... At this time, if you are an elementary school-age child and you would like to join Mr. Tommy in the chapel, there we're going to have donuts in Jesus. So if you like donuts or Jesus or both, you can go with Mr. Tommy to the chapel and you'll be back in time for communion. Let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God as a new day begins.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for readings. A reading from the prophet Jonah. When God saw what the people of Nineveh did and how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? 
That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And, it sh and should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. A reminder that we will continue to sing the psalm together. If you wish to turn to page six in your bulletin where the psalm is printed. Um, the choir will sing all of the verses. If you could join us on verses two, four, six, eight. So all of the even verses. We'll also sing verse nine together because that's the last verse and we should sing that together. So two, four, six, eight, and nine. There's one note that I need to show you, one new sign that we haven't seen before. If you go to verse eight, on the second line, you see the word great with two funny dots over it. That means that it is a one syllable word, but we sing it with two notes. That's what those dots mean. And of course, as a reminder, the brackets means that all of the syllables in that bracket are sung to one note. Good luck to you.
reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. To me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that, whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but, but of your salvation, and this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege of not only believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. 
When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of our Lord. Of God, God, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sanctifier. Amen. Amen. Long time ago, I have to say, I went to school at one of the most popular modern destinations for prophets wanting to save people from their wickedness, and that was Berkeley in <laughs> the 60s. The prophets were all around us because we were known informally as the Nineveh of the United States with our anti-war protests, our countercultural hippies, and of course the usual subversive academics. We were, we were provocative, we were loud, and sometimes we were high. <laughs> and probably like the Ninevites in the Jonah story, we were discriminating about which prophet to listen to. So if somebody, say, Jonah, comes in straight from the San Francisco Bay, he has seaweed hanging from his hair, he has sand stuck to his skin, and he smells a little bit like whale spit, we usually didn't listen to him. But the Ninevites listened to Jonah. And they all dressed in sackcloth as repentance for their wickedness. They dressed their cows and chickens, they dressed the doctors and cooks and teachers and children, and yes, even the politicians in sackcloth. So what's the story of Jonah really about? 
lot of people think it's about, it's about a prophet who disobeys God. You can't disobey God without suffering severe consequences like Jonah did with his whale and what, being humiliated in front of the Ninevites and, and the comeuppance from God. But that's not the point. We all disobey God at some point and we don't get swallowed by a whale and spit up in North Korea. So the point is that Jonah was wrong. That's the point. Jonah thought he was supposed to preach doom to a bad city, but that's not true. He was there to preach the opposite, to bring God to a hurting city. Just his very presence in Nineveh spoke volumes about God, that God is not just the God of the Israelites. God is not the God of just the people that God thinks are great. God is the God of the Assyrians and the Romans and the Taliban and even the French. God has enough love and forgiveness to spare for everybody. So Jonah had it all wrong. The real message of God was not doom for a wicked city, but rather God's love and forgiveness for all the people in it. It's not a picky God that we serve who saves only the people God loves. This is a universal God which includes God's circle of who, which includes in God's circle of love all the people we would want to exclude. And that includes the Ninevites, the meanest, vilest, nastiest, cruelest, baddest, most barbaric and ungodly place ever to inhabit the earth, including Berkeley. <laughs> so there, Jonah. Now, Jesus in his parable, he goes farther. He, he takes a step farther than the writer of the book of Jonah. Jesus tells a story about fairness. About, about the landowner boss who is not fair. We might be like Jonah, thinking that God is not fair here. God is not fair because, because God brings salvation to bad people. God isn't fair because God refuses to reward the worthy and punish the unworthy, the way we think God should do, the way justice would demand, and the way common sense would tell us. God is supposed to reward the worthy and punish the unworthy. And God is not fair because God, as an employer, gives Leonardo Latecomer a chance at earning some money even though he does not deserve it. Now the employer does pay quite enough to the regular employee who has all the, who has the, the car they need and, and the education and who can work every day because they come from a good family and has the right connections. God pays a good salary for that. That's fair, right? But then, God lifts up the poor ones, the temp worker, the temp worker who could not get to work until late because he missed the bus and with two hours of labor would not earn enough money to pay for dinner for his children. And we say, it's not fair. That's not fair. You don't pay the same. No, it isn't fair. It's fair when you get what you deserve and you earn what you work for. That's what we believe. Now, because Jesus' parable is about a situation that closely parallels situations in our current society, it's easy to be misled to take this parable as being about exactly what it says, labor practices, fair wages, and so on. It sure sounds like that. In fact, I thought so until yesterday, which tells you when I wrote this sermon. <laughs> but remember, that this is a parable about the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. Like Matthew's parables, they're all about the kingdom of God. 
And when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he uses the world's images and he talks in human categories because he has to. There is no language of heaven that translates to us. So the kingdom is like a pearl of great price, right? The kingdom is not a pearl. The kingdom is not a mustard seed. It's not a handful of yeast and is not a temp agency. The kingdom is not even about a fair anything. It's about God, what God does, and what God is about. It's about, it's about that one of the last sentences of this parable that tells us the difference between God and us at the end. Are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? Makes me uncomfortable to hear that. Do you resent that I give freely? Does that seem unfair to you? So Jesus throws out our whole notion of fairness in this world. He declares it irrelevant in the world of the kingdom. In the parable about the day laborers, the kingdom rejects the normal, fair way of doing business and pays everybody equally no matter how much they work. A lot of people, and not just on Wall Street, but a lot of people would have a hard time justifying such bizarre labor practices. But God does not play by our laws of economics. And in fact, God makes a lousy bookkeeper. God spreads God's wealth. God's wealth is love, forgiveness, a home in the kingdom, everlasting life. That's what is God's wealth. God spreads God's wealth indiscriminately, giving Leonardo Latecomer the same exact wealth as Ermina Earlybird. This God is generous to a fault, to infinity even, generous to infinity, a God whose generosity offends and baffles us. God's generosity towards human beings is beyond our calculations of what justice looks like. The thing is, though, Jesus is not trying to change the world's labor practices. He'd probably like to, actually, but he's not trying to do that as tempting as it may, as it may um, think, for us to think that, given, for example, our current auto strike <laughs> and struggles of temp workers, things like that. That's not what Jesus is doing here. It's not his agenda. It's about letting go of our earthly notions of what God is all about, letting go of trying to conform God to our earthly standards of how people and community should be treated. We can't keep conforming God to our earthly standards. As long as we project onto God our earthly standards, we will continue to be confused or even resentful of God's heavenly standards. Because no, God is not fair. God is generous. God is extravagant even. God does not transact heavenly business by our earthly standards of worth. And we should be grateful for that, actually, because if we were rewarded according to our deserving, if we had to negotiate with God our entrance fee into heaven, I think all of us would be Leonardo Latecomer. It's more about God's generosity than our deserving and about God's unlimited supply of forgiving love, unlimited. The kingdom is a place where we don't get what we deserve, thank God. We get what our loving God wants to give us. God's infinite love and mercy are poured out on each of us, and, and no matter how much you get, all of it is still available to me. And everybody gets the best seat in God's kingdom, no matter how late we arrive 
the seats never run out because we all get the place that has been prepared especially for us. That's what Jesus said. So even if you and God get together late, late in your life, late in the day, even if you and God get together late, even if you never showed up for God because you missed the bus or you got a flat tire on the way to the kingdom or you got lost or distracted by video games, even if that happens, you'll still get the same amount of love from God that Ermina Earlybird gets, infinite, because there is no amount to God's love. There's no amount. As Phil said last week, too, there's no amount to God's forgiveness. It's a bottomless well. Is that not fair? Well, God doesn't really care whether it's fair or not. It's what God does. We have a God whose desire to love us and to be with us extends to us even, even when we are confused or skeptical or half-hearted or even wicked like the Ninevites. God still extends God's love. So what if we were to extend that same goodness and love to others who are, after all, just like us, confused, skeptical, half-hearted, or even wicked? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus calls us to make known in whatever way we can, make known how amazing is God's boundless love for the world. So take God's generosity and God's open arms and do the same for others that God has shown you. If God is a landowner, God has made us stewards of that land to care for that land and its people with the same care and love given to us. What God has so freely given to us, it is unfair for us to hoard. The good news, the good news is that God's grace is so great, so enormous, so infinite, that it is there for us no matter what, no matter when, and no matter why. So no matter how late in the day it is, it is never too late for God, whether we're on our deathbed, in our jail cell, or in somebody's doghouse. Even as the sun sets on this life, it is never too late to receive God's grace. And you know what? We don't need to earn God's grace. It's just there. As somebody said once, God loves you, and there is not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Please stand as you are able and join me in professing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Mother, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Mother, 
God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the mother. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and God's kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, she is worshipped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. With all our hearts and minds, let us pray to God, responding, God of love, hear our prayer. We pray that your love will find a way to heal our wounded world and guide our nation and leaders to a path of justice and peace. Help us to know Jesus and grow in love. United in relationships of holy connection and communion, we share a heart with those who feel separated are cast out for any reason. Help us reach out in love. We pray for this beloved community and the spirit growing with all people. Help us make it safe for all to live with integrity and for all to live in peace. Inspiring us through our church, through scripture, through the word made flesh in Jesus, and through the sacraments, help us to deepen our relationship with you. We pray for people and places that long for relief from suffering. Betsy Berry, John and Paul Crouch, Terry Mihalik, Ryan Patel, Paul Rogers, Nathan Schwartz Drunber, Lynn Zajac, and President Bishop Michael Curry. For those who are struggling with mental health concerns, for those around the world affected by disasters, especially the victims of the flooding in Libya and the earthquake in Morocco, for those around the world affected by war and conflict, especially the people of Ukraine and Sudan, for the victims of the mass shootings throughout the past week in Chula, Mississippi, Denver, Colorado, Boston, Massachusetts, Romeoville, Illinois, El Paso, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Spring Lake, North Carolina, 
and those we now name silently allow are allowed. God, remind us that we are not alone. We give thanks for all the moments of grace that sustain us, those we now name silently or aloud. Your love and grace abound. Give us eyes to see your goodness in the world around us. We pray for those who have died, including Tim Hogan, brother of Peg Wyant, and those we now name silently or aloud. Comfort those who grieve. <clears throat> Almighty God, giver of every good gift, look graciously on your church and so guide the minds of those who shall choose a bishop for this diocese, that we may receive a faithful pastor who will care for your people and equip us for our ministries. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God of love, send us into the world, rooted and grounded in love to serve all people with humility, compassion, and faithfulness. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with all your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage, we may always be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit, and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. Almighty God, have mercy upon you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. Please stand. And may the peace of the Lord be always with you.
Walk in love as Christ loves us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, Bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith.
with thanksgiving.
Mark, in the name of God and on behalf of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread, one cup. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please stand as you are able. My friends, life is short, and we have little time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be swift to love, make haste, to be kind, and may the blessing of God Almighty, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit be among you now and remain with you unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah.